But the more that I work with people who have been, um, who have worked in the sex industry, who have been uh, sex trafficked, forced into prostitution, generally speaking, people who end up in that situation, it's because they are dealing with something. They're either drug addicts, alcoholics, homeless, living in poverty, don't have a support system. And so they're in some kind of vulnerable situation that another person can come in and exploit. This is the Knocking Doors Down podcast. If you're looking to hear stories of hope, inspiration, and turning your greatest adversities into your advantage, well, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Jason Lachance, and through my addiction recovery and struggles with anxiety and depression, I dug into my passion of speaking with people who have transformed their lives. This is part two of my conversation with Amanda Kazmira Cryer aka Kazi. If you didn't catch part one, Amanda and I discuss her life-threatening circumstances surrounding COVID and bacterial pneumonia at the same time that nearly took her life. Plus, we discuss confronting love addiction. Amanda was so amazingly open and honest. And when we concluded the first episode, Amanda shared that two of our high school sweethearts had passed away from accidental overdoses. Here's part two with Amanda Kazi Cryer. Two of my uh, my two of my ex boyfriends from from high school. I never, you know, I never had that level of intimacy with them. We were very young at that time, but they both passed away, you know, from um, drug overdoses in the past couple of years. And I, even being intimate with them, like even though we didn't have that level of intimacy, we were so young. We were just like we still kissed and we still hugged and we still cuddled. And I swear, I left a piece of myself with them. Like I still feel that when I when I found out they died of overdoses, something inside me broke a little bit. And I hadn't even slept with either of them. But they were two of my boyfriends in high school that I cared deeply about, that I loved. To my knowledge, no one that I had a uh, relationship with has passed. But I certainly... I think the, the the way I can relate is there was certain relationships that it was obvious the loop was closed, it was done, there's no need to know each other in any capacity anymore. And then there was others that I certainly tried. And then eventually it just became evident, you know, and that might have been over a decade or so. And it's um it's hard. Sometimes you, you think of someone and you want to reach out and be like, man, remember that time we were hanging out and I don't know, we were went to this concert or whatever. Wasn't that cool? And it's just, you just can't. So it's kind of where you just, you, you got just a memory that lives with you. I know. Right. Yeah. Huh. All right, shifting gears. <laughs> Let's shift some gears here. Let's kick it into another. Um, I mean, when did you make the decision to really start doing all of your humanitarian work? I mean, give people people a bit of a brief, the, the, the little cliff notes of, of kind of life. And we both joked about not being here. And then yeah. let's get right to the humanity, just so they understand the, I, I just want it shared because I just, 
again, I really adore you when, when our mutual friend, Josh Detente was telling me about you and your story. I'm, and he's like, I, you know, kind of close with, I, I don't know, maybe you'd want to talk. I'm like, yes, this is exactly the kind of person I want to talk to you. Are you kidding? This is the kind of people I admire and get charged to speak with. Thank you so much. That's how I feel about you. It's, oh. I mean, ever since we spoke on the phone, it's, uh, and I mean, I'm not like, I don't, I don't, I haven't been on like, you know, hundreds of podcasts. I don't, I mean, it's okay coming on podcasts, you know, but it depends, you know, who I'm speaking with. I don't, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I feel really comfortable to speak and other times I don't. And I don't, you know, I, I don't want to go into a huge long story about my past life. Please um, don't. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of time. Uh, no, no, more of, I just, I, I, like we talked on the phone, I don't see any reason to like, you yeah. know, the, the, yeah. the war stories, the, the, the wounds and warts, whatever you want to say, I like stupid term. So Cliff Notes version, uh, I turned my trauma into something, um, you know, something that could perhaps support other people. So I was sexually uh, molested by a, a family member ongoingly for a lot of years. Um, then I was sexually assaulted um, by a football player. And I never, you know, never spoke about it because I didn't believe, I didn't think anybody would believe me. Um, and then I was um, forced into prostitution, uh, sex trafficking, you know, it's the same thing. I wasn't kidnapped though. It was by people that I knew, people that I thought cared about me. And um, and I was very young when all these things happened. And <clears throat> I, I experienced uh, homelessness and poverty at a very young age, uh, uh, consistently at times. And then, um, as, and then as an adult as well, and then as a teenager too. And so I was often in very vulnerable situations where people could, you know, exploit those situations, obviously, and that's what happens. Um, I work with um, women um, and men both who have uh, been in the sex working industry um, either by choice, although no one really fully chooses that, I would say. Like, not, I mean, we can say that everything in life is a choice. I mean, I could sit here and say that me being raped was a choice, you know, and take my, my, my power back by saying that by not playing a victim. But the more that I work with people who have been, um, who have worked in the sex industry, who have been uh, sex trafficked, forced into prostitution. Generally speaking, people who end up in that situation, it's because they are dealing with something. They're either drug addicts, alcoholics, homeless, living in poverty, don't have a support system. And so they're in some kind of vulnerable situation that another person can come in and exploit. And generally speaking, the whole kidnapping idea, people being kidnapped and being forced into prostitution, that happens like a very small percentage of the time. Mm. Most people that end up in those situations are exploited by people that they know, even their family. And so, you know, I've I've written a lot about this. It hasn't been, none of it's been published yet because I haven't wanted to go public about any of these things yet. So, Jason, you're the first person I'm actually speaking out really to a big public audience about this. Well, thank you for trusting me. Thank you for making me feel safe. 
you know, it's anytime I think that we speak about things like this, about our past, like you, you know, the things about addiction or whatever, or mental health, or we're, we always put ourselves out there on to be on the chopping block for people to judge us, you know? And so when you ask me about my humanitarian work, why did I get into it? I don't know. It's something, something whispered in my ear when I was going through all these situations. I would, I mean, I was numbing myself with alcohol and, 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 and MDMA as much as I could throughout all these situations. I mean, I started doing drugs when I was like 10. I mean, I remember at 13, I was dropping acid 13 grade eight, the first year of high school in Canada. And I mean, all throughout high school, I was numbing myself because of the sexual abuse that was going on in my family. And no, get don't get me wrong. Like I was being raised by a single parent at the time. And once he found out this was going on, he threw that person out of the house because he didn't know what was going on. I didn't tell anybody. Right. I knew it wasn't I knew it wasn't right what was going on, but I also really loved the person that was doing it to me. You see? I think that's where this all began. Like a lot of it, it's like, you know, and I knew he loved me too. I knew that what he was doing was inappropriate and it wasn't right because I was only 11 when it started. But still, I he loved me. And so, you know, throughout my life, I look at that and I think to myself, wow, that's a really like an interesting thing. You know, someone that crossed so many boundaries with such a young person, and yet I still loved them. And I still, to this day, love him. He passed away many years ago. But even when he was on his deathbed, I was, I mean, I mourned him for like a year after he died. Even though he was my first introduction to, you know, sex, you know, um, it was, a, I don't know, it was just, it was weird. When I look back on it, it was just a weird situation that I was, and I still to this, still to this day, I didn't want to say who it was because I still love him. You know, I still in some way want to protect him, which is like, you know, people say that's kind of like um, Stockholm syndrome, Sure. you know, where it's like you, you know, people who, who will do things to you, you know, you still, it's, it's not that though. It's, I have a level of compassion for where he was, you know, and he was definitely a pedophile. I mean, and I know that now and I get that. You know, because I saw what where he went later in life and the women he had in his life, and they were all young, like I was, um, in different countries. So, you know, when I became older, I just from for some reason, something in me was always drawing me towards wanting to work with people that had been through things in their lives. And I mean, I mean even getting into an argument with one of my producing partners, even like a two years ago, even, because he was calling you know, women who dance, who are strippers, women who dance, he was saying something to the effect of like, oh, those women are just out to use men. And it was just like a blanket statement across the board. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait, 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 wait. I said, first of all, I've known women who have danced and put themselves through college. They weren't using men just as much. They were using you as much as you were using them. Like it was an equal exchange of, of, of usury going on or, um, yeah. Uh, what what um what were transactional going on? Yeah. So I said, you know, to 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 sort of make that statement about a human being, like, first of all, let's look at a circumstance. Like, let's look at like what has them be there? Why are they there? Are are they there because they want to be? And if they want to be, why is that? Mm -hmm. And so throughout my life, because of what I because of what I had done, the choices I had made and the choices I didn't make, 
it made it made it gave me a curiosity for people that had been through s- similar circumstances who had experienced things that I had experienced, homelessness and poverty, you know, sex trafficking, um, sexual assault, uh, mental health challenges, which I've always dealt with. I mean, since I was young, high levels of anxiety, um, um, domestic violence, like, um, you know, just, and then I went, I, then I also went and, and I went undercover to some farms and saw the way animals are being treated. So I got really affected by that, like scarred by that emotionally. So I just wanted to work with people and use my own personal experiences to to give some some insight that no matter what we go through, that we can still come out of it and we can come out not a jaded person. We can come out open hearted. We can come out still open um, and, you know, we can still come out being okay. And, and wanting to support others who have perhaps gone down that same road or who might go down that same road. And so part of my commitment is, first of all, when it comes to that in particular, is I want to make sure that young women and men and girls and boys who may be going down that road or who may be, um, uh, who may be attracted to the disillusion, the illusion that it is, to really like kind of like lay it out, like this is an illusion you might think that something is going on here. Promises were made to me that drew me into this, this situation in the first place. And I was extremely naive. Like mm. I mean, most people are at 18 years old. I was yeah. very naive. And so I, I I believed what people said to me. Even to this day, I believe what people tell me, you know, I just told you for God's sakes. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm in my 40s and I believe what people say to me still. I've not changed in that respect, right? It's like, I believed what people said to me and that led me down a road where I didn't think it was going to go. And then once I got down that road, when I started saying no, then I learned very quickly who had the power. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I thought I'd made up in my mind with the numbing of alcohol and drugs as well. I had made up stories and fantasies in my head that, all these people love me and that I was doing some great service for people that didn't have love. Like I thoroughly convinced myself of all this stuff. And I think that's what I did with my relative as well. I think like when that, when that kind of thing was going on with, with, with him, that I convinced myself as a child that, that I, I was giving him some kind of something that he needed that he didn't have. Yeah. And that's what provide. That was how I was able to give him compassion, and still to this day, because still to this day, I still feel compassion for him. Like I don't, I don't hate him, I don't, and I don't, I don't. You know, I'm more mad at the man who who um, sexually assaulted me because I specifically told him no. I was 17, and I said I don't want to do this with you. I do not want to do this, and I started bawling my eyes out. And I said, I don't want to do this. I don't, I, that's not why I came here. But he did it anyway. And so that pissed me off because I said no. Now, when I was a child, I didn't say no because I didn't know that I really could. But I also didn't want to get my relative in trouble. And I also right. didn't want him to get mad at me. I was so afraid he wouldn't love me anymore and that he would get mad at me. So I, it's like, it's like, it's like, 
I let it, I let it happen. And I think for a lot of years, for the majority of my life, I've carried around a lot of shame as a result of those things because I didn't put a stop to it. But that's why I do the humanitarian work that I do because that shame is something that is, is a constant transformational work in progress is me transforming myself. Every time I get the incredible opportunity to work with someone who's been through anything that I've been through, like that is a pure gift straight from God. Like it's not me helping them, they're helping me. Like like no joke, when I get to be with someone who's been through something and they come to me for support, there's no greater gift that I can think of because in that moment I am like, oh my gosh, this is why you know, I went through these things is because so I can be here for someone else now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think and feel the same way. That's like that weird tenfold thing, you know, where you just, you just do it because you know, in your heart, it's right. And what comes back to you. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm trying not to get emotional. It just, it, it's mind blowing. It really is. It's like wow, like when I've when I've spoken at a couple of high schools and and everyone always one of the young men or women always points out that I say great grateful addict in recovery and they're like why are you grateful I'm like I'm here in front of you today like if you had asked me years ago ain't no way well like I'm here and and it, from what I can tell most of you are listening you know. Or at least something's resonating or connected with you or or it's turning a wheel in your head that I don't have to continue down the paths that were laid out in front of me. And I can make empowering choices over disempowering choices. And it's, I think it's so, not everyone gets that opportunity. So I just don't, there's nothing else I can do with it other than be grateful, you know? Thank you so much for doing that, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank, thank you. Thank you. And I love you. And you. I love you. <laughs> oh, where's the tissue? Somebody give me some tissues, please. Oh. <laughs> mm. Knocking Doors Down by Carlos Vieira. Now available wherever you get audiobooks. I wasn't done partying and I didn't want the binge to end. I think I knew that when I finally got home, I'd have to face what I had done, and I wasn't ready to do that. Being responsible for my actions wasn't something I was looking forward to. I had abandoned my wife and baby, my family, and my business. I wanted to avoid the shame of returning to what I had left behind. Even though I was not yet going home, I wasn't sure I had enough resources to continue the binge. Click the link in the podcast description to find out more. What's on the horizon? What are we working on? Anything we can share? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sure. And you know I want you to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you ask I'm in. Anybody else? I'm not even picking up the phone. I definitely want you involved. Yeah. <laughs> I love working with people that I love. So there you go. Right away. Okay. <laughs> right away. Hey, same. Same. Yes. And people that, that provide a, you know, and you provide such a space, like, you know, on our phone call, I was like, my gosh, like, thank you for your friendship. Oh, thank I'm you. So, so grateful. Like you have no idea. <laughs> I guess I want to share. I came home and, uh, my 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 girlfriend, she's like, wow, you're in a really good mood. I was like, I just had an amazing conversation with this awesome woman. And she kind of gave me a look like the, the half, you know, the joking, but the half like, okay, mister. And I was like, no, let me tell you. And she's like, wow, that's awesome. Like, good for you. See, these things are going to keep happening where you'll connect with people. So amazing. I am so happy Josh connected us. <laughs> Likewise. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I, um, guys, I definitely want you involved. Uh, okay, so I am I'm directing three films right now, two which are in post production. So the um, <clears throat> the first film is uh, about um, it 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 tackles the uh, the systems of mass incarceration, the prison industrial complex, uh, mental health and addiction and drug misuse. So it tackles all of those all of those issues. Um, it's a short film. It's a documentary. Uh, I'm very passionate about all of those um, subjects because they've they've either directly impacted me um, personally, myself, my being, or they've directly impacted someone in my family or someone I love. Um, and I've seen I've seen how uh, digital punishment, in particular, the scarlet letter, if you will how that can really, um, you know, mess with people for the rest of their lives and prevent them from, from uh, creating a great life for themselves. It's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to have to deal with. Um, so that's the first film. The second film is one that is on a friend of mine who I've known since high school. He uh, was a pro hockey player that then became, uh, you, you know him too, right? Uh, yes, quite well. He's been on this very own, this, this podcast and yeah, we've kept in touch ever since then. Uh, he and I hit it off very well. I'm so happy to hear that. So I wanted to capture something about him in particular that hadn't been captured before because I've seen the National Geographic uh, show on him. I've seen, you know, his interviews on news and I've seen his Ted talks, you know, and those are all wonderful. I wanted to get something, I wanted to get some real vulnerable things from Ryan. And and we did, we did. And I feel very blessed that he he shared those things with me and with the crew. Um, because I, I know it wasn't easy for him. I, I, I know for a fact it was not easy for him. I asked him some very difficult questions. Um, questions that, you know, may not occur as really nice. 
And I didn't do that for any cruel reason. I did it because I love him and I want the world to see who he really is. Mm-hmm. You know, like really, really, really who he is. You know, not necessarily the National Geographic or the TED Talks, you know. And who he is is he's a person with a gigantic heart. Yeah. His heart is huge. And he has, um, I can't speak for him, um, but him and I have a lot of things in common. That's what I'll say. Um, and um, he's 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 a very good friend and I honor him greatly. And then the third film um, is going to have someone in it that you also know. Uh, the third film will not be a documentary. Um, the first two are documentaries. Those are both in post-production right now, being edited. But the third film is going to be a narrative film. Hmm. We're writing it right now. But we already know the story because the story is a real-life story. And it's about a father who is on the brink of musician, musical stardom. And he has a highly autistic child, a child that is brilliant with computers but doesn't know how to tie his own shoes and he's verbal his son is verbal and uh he's 14 and this person is a recovering heroin addict and he's on the brink of stardom just on the brink and he goes through the ups and downs of his his heroin addiction and he he abandons his son at one point his autistic son He's also a single father, by the way. And throughout this short journey of his, he meets up with a um, a sex worker hmm. who he has a very interesting conversation with. And this woman says things to him that puts everything into perspective. And he doesn't really know her. But this is a very pivotal point in his life. And I'm not going to speak anything else about that because I don't want to give away the whole story. <laughs> nope. He's not with this woman. They just have a conversation. That's it. Outside oh. of a hotel. And um, I'm really excited about that film because it's the true life story of someone that you know. And um, he lost his brother two years ago to a drug overdose. And when that happened to him, we almost lost him too. Yeah. And these this story about him is a story that I feel needs to be told um, because whether we think it or not, this can happen to any one of us. I mean, yes, sure, some of us have more addictive personalities than others. Some of us have addiction that runs on our family, but this can happen to, if not us, someone we know. And um, I mean, I want to tell your story, Jason. <laughs> That would be an interesting one, huh? Uh, I would love the opportunity to, and and um, you know, knowing that uh, a good amount of that that you're going to go off of one of the connections there was definitely my my having a child on the spectrum who is brilliant, and you know, that also being a part of my recovery journey to want to be a present father for my two amazing children. Um, yeah. Wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go grab tissues, and then we're going to do random questions. I'm just kidding. I can hold it back. <clears throat> How old are your kids, Jason? Actors, actor stuff here. Just, you know, change the emotion. You're in it. Uh, 14, 15. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. I'm gonna, let me collect myself here. I'm such a, <laughs> such a good interview conversationalist right now. 
You are. I've had to fight back a few emotions here. Um, If people want to connect with you and, and of course, find out, we didn't even have time to get to the the YouTube channel, but we're going to work that into random questions. Uh, So if they want to find you, Instagram the best place? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn or Instagram. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, for some weird reason, Instagram just had me remove my Linktree link saying that's spam. And so oh. I don't know why that's happening because my link tree has my contact information, like my email and things like that. And um, I, I'm not, I'm not a huge checker of direct messages on any social media platform. Good for uh, you. I just don't like. I would rather just be directly in touch with people through phone or email. Um, and maybe that's I don't know if that's what that is, but I I uh, I find that because I find a lot of spam comes into those messages in the inbox. I mean, you know, I mean, I think anybody, yeah. So I it's, it, I don't, and so you know, going through all that stuff, I'm like, okay, well, what's not spam in here? You know, <laughs> right? I, you know, so if someone wants to re- reach out to me, I would say probably the best way to do that is. Um, I'm trying to think of what I pay the most attention to. Um, yeah. I mean, I think my my uh, my email address is on is on IMDb Pro, so people can reach out to me through my okay. email. Um, I think it's on IMDb Pro. Yeah, um, um, IMDb is Internet Internet Movie Database. Yeah, so as a filmmaker, I think pretty sure my 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 email address is there. Yeah, it's just because if people DM me, it's like. If I don't know someone, um, right. I'm not always, I, I'm not, I, I don't, I will never make a promise on that I'm going to respond to them if I don't know them. I've opened some of my messages and they have inappropriate pictures. And so I don't like, and I, and I, whatever, I mean, that I know this happens all the time. And so I always give people one chance. Like when they send me pictures of their body, they're inappropriate. I just say, look, I don't want these photos. So don't do it again. If you do it again, you know, I'm going to block you. And you know, what's been really cool is when I've said that I, every response I've gotten is, wow, thank you so much for, you know, not being mean to me, not being cruel to me. I know that was inappropriate. I'm really sorry, Amanda. So I've been really lucky in that way, actually. Like I've not been like, you know, given, you know, told someone to F off or like, get out of here. I've just said, look, I don't want you doing that to me. Don't do it. And then it hasn't happened to me again. So Maybe I've been. I think that's a sad indicator of where some of society is at. Like we're just a. It's you're so easy to talk to. I could keep going. I should really stop myself right now before we go off for another twenty minutes before we even get to the random questions. Jason, but I love listening to you. Though. <laughs> well, thank you. Like, but but don't you think it's a sad indicator of where society is at that this is the way we think we have to get people's attention, either by like you said, sending completely graphic photos of our body or posting it or whatever the heck it is, or saying really horrible things to a complete stranger. It's it's just sad. It's very sad. It's very, very sad. And I will say that I recently Googled myself because someone told me I should, and my feet had been posted on a WikiFeet site. And, you know, and that's fine. There were people uh. like... There are people on my YouTube channel that were saying, please show us your feet, show us your feet. And so I was watching, you know, I do go bare feet. I do go bare feet. 
And so, you know, because it's comfortable, not because you want people, you know. And so, and also too, I took a picture, one picture of my foot after getting a, um, after getting a, a pedicure. And it was, I think two years ago under the Christmas tree. And I loved my pedicure. I thought it looked beautiful. And I, I mean, it makes me feel good about myself. Yeah. But that picture has been posted now on this Wiki Feet page, and it's a page for people who have, you know, um, foot fetishes. It's fine. I mean, it's no big deal. I mean, it's, you know, everyone's got their own fetishes. But it is, when you bring that stuff up, it makes me sad that um, some kind of disconnect is going on. Like, people are craving human connections so very deeply that it's like they're just, like, wow, Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to start sending people like your body images, like someone you don't even know. I mean, you don't even know me. I mean, I wouldn't, if it's different when you know, it's, if it's your wife or your girlfriend, you're like, look, honey, look at how beautiful I look, or look at how sexy I look today. Like, and it's not like a specific image of that one part of your body. Right. But you're like, look, at, I think I look beautiful today. What do you think way I look? How do you like my hairstyle today? How do you like my outfit? Whatever. Or here's a sex pic of me in my lingerie. Fine. But a complete stranger it, I, I don't know. I, I feel again, and maybe this is just my thing. I have a certain level of compassion there. When I look at the people who are following my YouTube channel and the, when I look at who they are, cause I can see who they are. I can see the demographic. It, you know, I get messages from some of these people too, not the photograph messages, but the other messages that are saying to me, watching your videos has helped me from not killing myself. Right. And I mean, who, who would have ever have known that a video of someone reacting to a movie and sharing their thoughts about that movie afterwards authentically could have a difference, make a difference with someone like that. Like I would never have thought that. And so when I look at that, you know, I think, you know, okay, so a few people are going to send me things like that, inappropriate things. But then here's all these other people that are writing and saying, watching your videos has helped me get through the pandemic, helped me get through suicidal thoughts, helped me get through, like, I've been in abusive relationships, like all this stuff. And I'm just like, holy cow, man, like, I'll take 10 inappropriate pics over, you know, no problem because... First of all, that's not an invitation here to anybody. (laughs) No invitation. I don't want those things. But I'm just saying that like the amount of those positive responses that I get from people is worth that. So it's, I didn't know that, I had no idea that making a video like that could make people feel that good. Yeah. Funny how that works, right? Yeah. It's weird how it just sometimes we just do a thing because it seems like, yeah, I should do that. Yeah, that 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 sits well with me to do that, and uh, it's a trip and it's fun. I, I'll put the link here in the podcast description for everybody to check out Amanda's uh, YouTube page. If you're a film buff or a TV or and even if you're not, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And if you get a lot out of this podcast, share with a friend. And don't forget the archive of interviews we have. Bam Margera, Brandon Novak, Kat Von D, Charlie Sheen, Edward Furlong, Kelly Osborne. The list goes on and on of amazing guests that have been on the podcast sharing how they have found purposeful lives. <laughs> so when, when we hang in person, 
Like I like I want to hang with you, Josh, Ryan, yes. like and and I want to watch a movie just so we could crack up at your reaction. <laughs> Can we record it? Can we yes. record it? But I'm like, okay, good, because I want to record it. Yeah. The thing is, Jason, you might not like watching a movie with me because this is one of the things. I'm not the best person to watch a movie with. Well, okay, here's what here's what I'll say. Let's watch a movie you've seen before because I talk a lot. I'm like the <laughs> peanut gallery, and like it's no joke. Like the reason I even started that YouTube channel was because my friend, who is a huge, he still is, huge purveyor of um movie reactors and music reactors. And he actually now manages a bunch of YouTube channels. He's super talented like at doing that. He's like, Amanda, you've got to do this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, who in the world is going to want to watch me? A middle-aged woman reacting to movies. I'm like, that's <laughs> dumb. I'm like, I got it, it occurred to me as being super narcissistic. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, please, this is like, makes no sense. <laughs> and I happened to be going through a really difficult time during the pandemic. I became unemployed. There was no film work at all. I was like, I got really depressed. I was like, man, like what's going to happen? I saw friends and family turning on each other because of the vaccine and no vaccine or get a vaccine. And like the whole world was turning on each other with everything. And I was like, what is going on? So when he suggested do a YouTube channel and do this, I thought he was nuts, right? <laughs> but then I started doing it and it helped me so much. And then, like I said, when I saw that it was also making a difference for other people, I was like, oh man, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, I never thought of reacting to music. I'd be good as a guy that worked in radio for 20 plus years. I'd be good at that. I'm going to start another channel inspired. <laughs> do it. I watched so many music reactors. Oh my gosh. There's a guy named JV. He, I think he either lives in Jamaica. He is Jamaican, but he has not heard, he's heard hardly any like pop culture music. And he's reacted to some of my favorite songs like of all time. And man, watching his reactions, I cry, I get shivers. I mean, it's just like incredible. And you can make uh, recommendations to him and he'll watch them. It's awesome. I love it. All right. Hey, we're going to get there. It's random question time. All right. This is all shits and giggles, as the British would say. Mm, what's a fun one to start with with you? I made, a, I made a list of ones that I don't usually do with people, but I thought these would be fun with you. All right, I'll just start here. Uh, top three favorite go-to movies. Oh, no, Jason. No! Uh -huh. Oh, it's so hard to narrow it down to three. All right, then give me a Mount Rushmore. You get four. Hey, oh, definitely, definitely James Cameron's Aliens, 1986. Definitely, without a doubt. One of the best films ever made. Highly recommend it. I'm a science fiction nerd. I love sci-fi. It's also horror. I also love it. So there you go. That hands down. If you have not seen Aliens, directed by James Cameron, you've got to see Aliens. And now I'm not seeing Alien by uh, Ridley Scott. Yeah. And the story is not good. It's it, it is good too. I prefer the one by James Cameron. That's just my favorite. I know people will hate me for saying that, but I love I love that no, one. Hey, I'm with you. They can throw the hate both of our directions if they disagree. That's where the sequel was like equally as good, if not better than the original. So yeah, that's rare. Yeah. Um, the Professional with Gary Oldman is incredible oh. movie. Jean Reno, Natalie Portman's first movie. Um, I think it's it's a it's a very difficult movie to watch. Definitely. Um, so is Aliens. Um, both very uh, difficult movies to watch, but but 
incredible films. I mean, just heartbreakers. Um, don't want to give anything away. Um, what else? Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Coco. Really? I, oh, I bawled my eyes out in that, man. That movie, <laughs> I mean, animated movies, that movie Coco, I mean, that movie took me to places that I haven't gone to. I mean, it really rocked my world. Um, it depends, you know, sometimes I like movies that are kind of on the, on the, on the side that people are like, Amanda, that's disturbing, you yeah. know, but you know, there's a lot of like Gaspar No makes some incredible films. Sure. Um, there's, uh, I mean, I, I can always say Braveheart will always till the end of time be one of my favorites. I mean, I absolutely love uh, Mel Gibson. I, I I happen to be Irish. My my family is legit from Ireland. Um, my grandfather, you know, I'm getting my Irish citizenship right now. And even though that movie is about the Scottish, the Irish and the Scottish did fight against the English together. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Braveheart will always be, you know, have a special place in my heart. Um, and yeah, so does that answer the question? That's good. That's a Mount Rushmore. Do you have a like a guilty pleasure movie? I have two that I can think of right away. That's just like guilty pleasure. Some people maybe, huh? but tell me yours. Tell me yours. Uh, Prince's Purple Rain because that's my all-time favorite musician. I, I, I saw him more in concert than anybody else. Kiss is a close second, and then followed by Motley Crue. But I saw Prince. I think it's a, probably around twenty-four, twenty-five times. Um, and just love love that movie. And then my other one, because I am a big John Carpenter fan, and I also love martial arts, is Big Trouble in Little China. And if you love westerns, I mean, it's a western. It's it's science fiction. It's it's martial arts. It's it's just and his soundtrack, John Carpenter, one of the coolest. Like you know, I'm not quite an auteur. I know he didn't get any screen time, but just guys that just it, like the whole overall vision, he, he, his pacing, his music, his, his, his style and Kurt Russell in that movie. Like I'll watch Kurt Russell in anything. If they're like, Kurt Russell is going to play, uh, president Lincoln statue. I'm like, I'll watch that for an hour. <laughs> oh, wait, you've seen the Christmas Chronicles, right? With him. I have not yet. I'm, oh my God. I have not. He's got two of them now. I know. They're so cute. Oh, I know. I so by the way, I feel the same way. And can I just quickly tell you? Yes. I, met, I one of my I have a lot of not so great memories of Hollywood because of mm. things that I went through. But I have a lot I've one I have a few great memories. And one of my greatest memories is meeting Prince. He is to this day, and I sat with him and I hung out with him for about half an hour. He is to this day the kindest, most gentle celebrity I've ever met in my entire life. He was so kind. He was so concerned about me. And he had every right to be concerned about me because I was out there at a nightclub totally, I mean, just like completely, I mean, smashed on like so much ecstasy and just alcohol. And I mean, I could, you know. I mean, I was out there dancing the dance floor, you know, I mean, just with all of these, you know, crazy people surrounding me. And he saw me and he told his bodyguards, he said, tell, you know, pointed to me to come over. He was sitting in, in the in the VIP room, but it was all open. You could see the dance floor. I went to go sit with him and it was just him and his two bodyguards. Prince was a very small man in stature. Like he was, um, I was wearing big shoes. So I was quite a bit taller. Although he was wearing big shoes too, but yeah. <laughs> 
but he I sat down beside him and I was wasted but I and he ordered a bottle of champagne it was just him and I and he was so nice to me he looked at me and he said how are you doing and I said I'm okay you know I was just like off my rocker I was 20 years old like you know I wasn't even allowed to be in this nightclub they don't care though it's that they don't care so I'm in this and he looks at me he goes I said I'm great and he goes are you sure and I said yeah I'm okay and I started to get like emotional when he started to ask me these questions because I really wasn't okay like I really wasn't but I thought to myself why is Prince asking me these things like clearly this is like one of the musicians I've grown up with my whole life somebody that like I worship I mean this man is like I mean he him and Madonna for me you know and like we're like pretty much everything wham too you know like Guns and Roses like you know all these groups I grew up with but it was like here he is talking to me and he was so polite so kind so like respectful and he took my hand and he just held my hand for about 20 minutes and he would just look over at me and he said how are you feeling and I said I'm I'm okay I'm all right and and I said how are you doing and he said he said I'm fine and he 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 said are you here with your friends tonight and I said I am and he said are they sober and I said, well, we're all kind of partying, you know, and hanging out. And he said, are you going to be okay? And I said, yeah, I'll be fine. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. Like, it didn't even occur to me, like, these questions that he was kind of asking me as like what like an older brother would ask a younger sister. And right as he was getting to, ready to leave, he said to me, he said, do you need a ride home? And I said, I said, no, I have a ride home. And he said, are you sure it's safe? And I wow. said, yeah, 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 I, I, I'm I, sure. Like, I'm, I'm okay. And he said, okay. He says, as long as you're going to be safe. He says, as long as you're okay, I'm going to go now. And I said, okay. I said, okay, thank you. And he said, you know, he said, if you want this champagne, you can give it to your friends. You know, he said, please be careful. You know, just be careful. And he gave me a hug and then he walked away with his, huge bodyguards and i've never forgotten that because he was just like he was so kind and he like i don't know how to even explain it like he was he was something very special wow. yeah thank you for sharing that with me it's still it's still tough like that the, the man wrote more music that got me through hard times, made me feel or even know that I wasn't alone. Right. And, and and now, like, I was having it a couple weekends ago. I know this is supposed to be random questions. <laughs> this is just how, how our, I can see how our friendship is going to be. Uh, and I was just really down. And so I decided to get up and I was going to make breakfast. And I put, I put on the smart speaker, put on my Prince playlist, which probably has like 480 songs in it. And I was in a good mood the rest of the day. It kicked me off right. But, uh, all right. Best and worst advice you ever received. Uh, best advice, uh, to be more discerning, better discernment, but probably also the best advice was also, um, to like to not let like not let my not let my open heart become jaded or hard. Mm. Um, 
worst life advice I ever received. Uh, maybe it's not letting my open heart become jaded in heart. <laughs> um, worst life advice, advice I ever received. Um, actually, I can think of it right now. It's very, actually very palpable for me was um, someone telling me that I was uh, never going to uh, make something of myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. I was going to make something of myself because, um, and that's, that's exactly why, you know, what, what happened earlier in my life when I was younger, why those things kept me down because I was being told that by people that were essentially my handlers. Mm -hmm. um, they were telling me that, that if I didn't do certain things and, and make certain choices that they thought were the way that I was supposed to go, that I wouldn't amount to anything. And that, yeah. that, and that what I was doing with them was going to lead to these big opportunities and, you know, help me um, fulfill all my dreams, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the worst life advice for sure. Oh, yeah. And as I've I've said on here many a times is is I've apologized to people that uh, have that, na that terrible voice that's still in their head and that somebody else put it there. Yep. And, and you can silence it. You can. I just spoke to one of my friends this morning and uh, someone I care deeply about and him and I were uh, in a relationship about 20 years ago and he's a wonderful human being, an absolute wonderful human being, huge heart. Oh my gosh. And um, he's, his dad always told him he would never amount to anything mm. and he still carries this with him. And we were talking this morning and I was saying to him, I said, you know, it's not the truth. You know, it's not the truth. You know, you're a wonderful father. You're an incredible human being. You've got this beautiful heart. You know, you're sensitive. You're strong. I mean, all these things about him that are so amazing. And I said, could you just step outside of your own listening of who you think you are for a moment and just hear my words, hear what I'm saying? Because what you're, what you believe is not reality. And it's not a reliable test for reality either. Because that voice in his head that's saying that BS that's not reality. Yep. It's not. And that's like, I'm, that's not the truth. Yeah. But the danger of it is when we believe that it warps our perception completely. I call it chicken shit competition is what I tell people. Like when I have these newcomers that'll talk to me about that, I go, they were just afraid they could see already in you the glow that you could achieve great things. And so it's an easy way to not have to compete or go, wow, I could have done something with myself too. Only, only people that, that, you know, shitty people treat people sh terribly. It's just how it goes, you know, hurt people, hurt people. That's the easier way of saying it. Exactly. The moment I heard someone say that, the hurt people, hurt people. I was like, wow, that is so true. That's mm. like, that Jason, you've been hurt. I've been hurt too. And I do not set out my life to hurt others. Now, have I hurt others? Yes, I have. Absolutely, I have. And anytime someone tells me I've hurt them, if they would please just come to me and let me know that I've hurt them, I promise that I will in that moment shut up, listen to what they have to say, and, and like really look at what I did. And take accountability for it because the thing is i am not perfect and i i know i've hurt people you know and it's like i'm but i but i don't want to hurt people ever 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 and so you know i one thing i one thing i have de definitely realized is that you really have to be honest with people mm -hmm. 
gotta be honest. Even if the truth does hurt people, you gotta be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But as we we we'll, we'll do a bonus episode just on that topic. <laughs> Uh, all right. Last one. This is a fun one. I got to throw this one. Well, uh, shit. I got two more that I wanted to ask you. Um, if you could have one, no, cause you kind of already have a superpower. My gosh, you've been helping people all over the world. I'm going to ixnay that one. I'm going to eject that out. You already get a, an S across your uniform. Uh, if a movie was made about your life, what genre would you want it to be? Not the one you think it should be, but the one you want would want it to be. And who would you want to play you, adult you? Adult me, I think I would want Kate Blanchett. I could see that. Uh, I think she's a fantastic actress. One of the best, for sure. Um what genre would I want it to be? Well, wow, that's an interesting question. Um, I think that, wow, that's, <laughs> uh, hmm. I mean, I would say I obvi it's obviously a drama, obviously that genre, but I think that it, um, I think that it would be also be uh, quite, thriller like mm. uh, because there are uh thriller ele well certainly thriller elements to it um so probably a thriller if i could make it a science fiction that would be awesome now don't know if that's possible but that would be cool yes it's possible are you kidding uh, hell yeah i told uh, somebody asked me that once they threw it back at me and i said comedy sci-fi oh i love that and they said, how can it be a com like all the shit that happened? How can it be a comedy? And, and I said, because I'm still alive. If I was dead, then you can write a tragedy. Okay. Okay. Then you know what? That now that you put it like that, see, when you put it in that context, that makes me rethink the whole thing. Cause I'm like, but right. Why make it a tragic story? When we're still alive, we're here on this podcast together, having this great, wonderful time together, these great conversations. So why not make it something people can laugh at? Yep. And people can genuinely laugh at something because there's not enough laughter ever. Yeah. No. And laughter heals. Laughter heals so much. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. I need it every day constantly. <laughs> hey, my friend, my goodness. You know, we said, oh, to let people in our, our phone conference. How long do you think? Oh, usually 45 minutes to maybe an hour. I think we're approaching two. Uh, uh, yeah, a good hour and a half at least. I, I can see speaking with you and listening to you for a lot longer, Jason. Oh, likewise. I was, you're just a, a blast to talk to. And yes, we've got work to do and we're going to figure that out, but not on this podcast. This is the time where you get the floor and just anything that you would want to lend to people that are struggling or if they have a loved one struggling or what, I don't know. It uh, You have a beautiful Christmas tree for the people listening in the background. It's like, it's a, it can be a really beautiful time or a hard time of year for some. And I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you got? <laughs> I've spent Christmas as homeless. Um, I shouldn't, where I've experienced homelessness during the Christmas time. Um, I've 
been I spent Christmas is where I've gotten my food from the food bank. I spent Christmas is in my car. Um, right now I have a roof over my head. And what I will say is to anyone who's going through a difficult time right now, um, I'm going to keep my, D my DMs are open. And even though I just said that I don't check my DMs often, at this time of the year, I'm going to check them. So, I mean, I'm not a mental health professional by any means. So I will always direct people to get to seek mental health profession professionals. And in this country, you can dial 988. Anytime you feel like you're having an issue, 988 is the best number to call. Um, I've experienced suicidal ideation in my own life. So I know what it's like to be at that, uh, kind of at that, that, that point. And so if you're experiencing anything like that, please call 988. Know that you are not alone. Because I'm not saying that like as a cliche, like I really mean like you are really not alone. You really are not. No matter how alone you may feel, you aren't. I've been there too. I know so many people who have been as well. And, you know, if you believe in a higher power, you'll know you're not alone. But if you don't, that's okay too. Just know you're not alone. And if you if you have no one, if you have absolutely no one, no support system, message me on Instagram and just put emergency in your in your message and I'll read it. Amanda, my friend, thank you. I'm so glad that our paths have crossed. I love you. I'm glad that you're in this world and doing the work that you continue to do through your experiences. And um, I know you don't do many of these, so thank you. And really, I appreciate the trust, transparency, and the conversation and the friendship most of all. Thank you so much, Jason. You have no, like, no idea how much this means to me. And I just... Thank you. It's been very cathartic, this conversation for me. Likewise. I'm so, so grateful. When you talk about gratitude, just thank you so much. Thank you. Ah. All right, guys. I know it's been a blast, but we got to wrap it up. Uh, remember, no outside solutions to inside problems. Keep knocking doors down. <laughs>